Welcome to What's the Hook with Diane and Andy. Andy and I are actually together in the same room. Andy, isn't it nice? We're in the same room. It's so nice. Yeah. I'm not traveling. It's not raining. So <laughs> That's true. Yeah. We're elated. Neither one of us wants to venture out. And the sun is shining. Though. Yeah, which is rare because it's been raining. It's been gloomy and raining here. And raining yeah. And raining and raining yeah. All year long. We're supposed to have nice weather until I think early next week. And then more rain. A little more rain. Yeah. A little more rain. Yeah. Oh boy. How, how do people like in Portland or in Seattle live I, like this? I honestly don't know. Right? I mean, at least they're, you know, that's their expectation is to live in a rainy place. Good point. You know, they're prepared for it, they've got the gear. I just don't want to wear socks. <laughs> I don't want to wear jackets. <laughs> My poor little dog looks like I have mortally wounded him every time I take him out to pee when it's raining. The dog owners I know are not happy. Their dogs do not like going out in the rain. These LA dogs are not having it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They're worse than we are. (laughs) Ask an LA dog how their year has been. Not happy. (laughs) So true. But so much for the weather report. We're here to talk because... Andy and I have been watching some really good stuff, and I am still hounding Andy to watch even more oh stuff, because, because that's my job, is apparently hounding Andy to watch even more stuff. Well, we were talking about Ted Lasso, and she's like, I'm going to force you to watch this. And I said, it won't work, because I already had a boss last year say she was going to fire me if I didn't watch it, and you know, she was probably kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even that, I, I watched like two episodes. And I just can't get into it. But you shared some insight with me on just how some of Ted's history, and how, frankly, how it gets a little darker. And that yes. actually that hooked me. <laughs> I needed to know there was some misery and tragedy, and then I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, sadly, I do not have the power to fire Andy over not watching a show, but I and do my un- unpaid I, position. So, <laughs> it's like firing an intern. <laughs> But I do seem to have some persuasive power over him. So I'm hoping he'll watch some more Ted Lasso because I really like the series. Um, I don't, what I like about it is that I don't think it gets maudlin. I think it's one of the strongest ensembles working today. Uh, it, I liked Juno Temple before, but now I love her because I love her as Keely. Hannah Waddingham is just a revelation. I, this woman's been doing West End theater in England for years and years and years. And I mean, what a fabulous woman to see on television. You know, her character, Rebecca, is wonderful. And she is just a riot. And I have been taking special delight in Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard and is also one of the creators of the show. Not only for his wonderful back and forth with Jason Sudeikis as, you know, Ted, but he just comes out with some of the most wonderful arcane facts. And I don't want to overlook Brett Goldstein because I adore Brett Goldstein, who is also a co-creator of Shrinking, one of my current favorite shows as well, which I also can't get Andy to watch. I've tried it. It's like a bad comedy callback. I just keep coming back to Andy won't watch that. When a therapist takes uh, his you know, patient or client to a boxing ring on the first appointment, I'm out. 
I just can't. I can't suspend my disbelief for that show. All I'm going to tell you is you're missing an amazing performance by Jessica Williams as Gabby, okay. who is one of uh, Jason Siegel's fellow therapists, and the comedy sensation, the comedy stylings of Harrison Ford. Oh God! The show is yeah. worth watching just to watch Harrison uh, Ford. I I will. I'm going to try it again. I okay. I I'm pretty, and and it's not like you've ever led me astray, and I. And I know how and much. And yet you won't listen to I me. Kn- well, it's that I've tried. Andy, them. can I Jewish it's guilt? Not, can I Jewish guilt you into this? You probably Andy? can. My mother's trained you me well. You probably can. To be quite honest, I think it's gonna work this time. So <laughs> stay tuned because I kind of have. Ladies a and gentlemen, I kind of have a feeling that by next week I will have watched Ted Lasso. You know what? We might have a Passover miracle coming. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Why is why is this night different from any other night? Oh, I made God. Andy watch a TV show. <laughs> Sorry, folks. We didn't mean to bore you with that. But Andy and I, one thing we did both watch, Andy, was the Oscars. Yes, we did. And first of all, let's praise Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, he was very good. Expert handling, as yeah. usual, of the big show. Yeah, he was kind of low-key and cool and... Very. You know, like, and that's Which kind is, of what we needed. Thank you. Right? Just like a nice, good traditional old-fashioned Oscars. I think in terms... And I don't mean old-fashioned or traditional no, 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 no. at all. I familiar mean like in a good familiar. way. Familiar is a great word. Right? Yeah. You know, people knock familiarity, but we crave it. As humans, it makes us feel safe. It makes us feel comfortable. Yeah. It's, it's part of... If we've had a relatively decent childhood, it's the kind of things that helps us feel safe and grounded. And I think that's exactly what Jimmy Kimmel did. He made us feel safe and grounded, and we didn't feel like anyone was going to get punched. It was a long show, which, because they put all of the major awards back in after the audience made their displeasure known, mm-hmm. that they didn't want things like sound or cinematography given off camera. Yeah. So it it was good. And I was thrilled to see everything everywhere all at once score so many wins yeah me too because i really loved that movie and i have friends who say to me i do not understand it i said it's it's not for everyone it's uh it and and i i struggled with it because it's got a lot going on so i understand that some people just have found it very overwhelming because visually it's overwhelming but it has a beautiful emotional story and and it's a mother-daughter story yes underneath it all and honestly it's driven home in the last part of the movie. So, and the, ca- the cast is right? so good. What kills so me is, deserving. and of course, not on social media because people are trolls. Yeah. The backlash against Kiwi Kwan for being so elated at his win. And I'm like, people, really? Do you have no heart? That man is a joy to watch. I, miss, I didn't see that in my Ugh. feed, but I'm not, I've deleted my Twitter. So, uh, <gasps> I thought maybe so. That's I, can't t- I can't tag in no, anymore. I just, I don't remember. Oh, it was, maybe it was when Hassan Minaj did it on The Daily Show. I can't remember. I One day I just was like, that's it. Elon Musk has, you. has pissed me off for the last time. I'm still there. I'm still at the surf report. I guess I'll be the last, last man standing in the desert. Who knows? Anyway, but just kudos to Jimmy Kimmel because I that was kind of a thankless job. And mm-hmm. I'm sure he got paid plenty of money to do it, but he he acquitted himself beautifully. It was a good, solid show. There was some good jokes. Shout out to Jimmy's wife, Molly McNeary, and his writers over at Jimmy Kimmel Live, because I think they also did writing for the Oscars. So that was very good. I like to recognize the good work. 
And also, just nice to see a good star-studded show. Yeah. Lots of good presenters. Yeah. And it was, yeah. For me. Great outfits. Oh, my God. Some beautiful fashion. On the men and the women. Yeah. And shout out to all the men who are stepping up their fashion game. They're taking some more risks. Well, they're hiring stylists as well. And there are so many fantastic stylists who work and who just really make their clients shine in the space. I boy, I could do a whole episode on that. We and could. I just I, I might talk about stylists for you know what? We might have to do we that. might do that. Yeah. We might do that. It's a hard job. Very. No, I mean I mean who's the guy that just announced his retirement? Law Roach. Yeah, and who's beloved. Very much so. And just said he's fed up and nobody quite knows why I don't think or just He's said, not giving details. Yeah. Yeah. He's not giving details. I love that he posted it on Instagram that like he's out. And then he went and he walked as a model in a Yugo Boss runway show. I was like, oh, you just slay. Just get it. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see if any more details come out because he is a very talented man. And he worked with Zendaya. Zendaya, And I'm sure he'll still work with her. The scuttlebutt was that Zendaya signed a deal with Louis Vuitton. And he felt as if his input was not welcome once she signed that deal. Okay. Now... I don't know why you wouldn't want Law Roach's input. Yeah. The man has impeccable taste. Yes, he does. But anyway, anyway, I, mean, I don't know dealing, all the details. As a stylist, you're between fashion designers and celebrities. Oh, God. I mean, that's... Which circle of hell is that? <laughs> which, like, which one is more opinionated? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a hard job. Very, very. That's, a, that's called a no-win situation. <laughs> All right, so I've watched all of The Last of Us. Andy has not. Is there a recurring theme to this show? Um, Are we going to call this things Andy hasn't watched? I'm feeling very called out right now. I'm feeling um, very very targeted. I'm sorry, Pumpkin. Uh, You know, I will go back to it. It's just there's a lot of TV out there. And I, I, and frankly, and it's, I, I think it's a great show. What my experience of it has been is that the episodes are not like, I don't want to say inconsistent, but they're so tonally different that they throw me off sometimes. So I would go from like that phenomenal episode three, right. With the, you know, the gay romance to like a completely different episode four. And, and, and I think it's a show that I really will do better binging. So I think I really just wanted to wait. Until oh, that's it fair. Aired so I could sit you down know what? and watch it. That makes sense. And also some of the episodes were starting to strike me as zombie type, more walking dead type. And mm-hmm. I don't really dig that myself, but I do love the core relationship between Joel and Ellie. And there was also a beautiful episode, by the way, and I do want you to watch it because it was a beautiful episode that Storm Reed guest stars in and her character has a really, a really beautiful friendship. With okay. So that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to spoil okay. it for Good. you. I appreciate the, um, um, the, you know, giving me a little, a little something to. That's just a little morsel for you. A little morsel. Speaking of morsels, I just want to remind everyone that Top Chef World All-Stars premiered last week. The second episode aired last night and the chefs are in London and they're from all over the world. They're like Top Chef winners from all over the world. And you forget that some of these Bravo shows just are so big internationally. So I, I find Top Chef a lot of fun to watch. 
And I also think the hosts are so good, Tom Colicchio and Padma Lakshmi and Gail Simmons. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. So I just wanted to remind everyone, new season of Top Chef, now available. And of course, you can watch on Peacock. Um, Andy, we didn't even get to talk about the Poker Face season finale. No, we haven't yet. Called The Hook. Yeah. Dan, what's The Hook? Thank you. Thank you, everyone, at Poker Face. (laughs) We appreciate that. What's The Hook? And which was great. That is why I wanted to talk to, that's why I had that chat with Nora and Lilla Zuckerman. Because I and I said to them, "Oh, funny, you're on a podcast called What's the Hook talking about the hook." <laughs> um, a great episode that, and we got to focus on Benjamin Bratt, who I love so much. I mean, can we talk about the poster boy for aging beautifully? He's a work of art. I they're just and 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 pardon us we're gonna sigh we're gonna sigh for a couple of minutes here this is man this is the man crush section of the podcast which we love and uh have to do on a weekly basis pretty much pretty much um and I'm sorry it's the law whoever films this show knows what they're doing first of all Charles Melton a name I did not know. <gasps> How did you? Oh, you he, don't. You never watched Riverdale. He's like a CW guy. You never right? watched Riverdale. Yeah, yeah. I did watch. I did watch the first season of Riverdale, and I actually liked it. But what a delight on the eyes, a feast for the senses, and he was in um, World His- the History of the World Part Two. Yes, which I loved seeing him get to be in that too. So he's clearly getting noticed. And anyway, there were just there was just some delicious man candy throughout that show, and great actors. And then Benjamin Bratt, I mean, my God. And what was great is that at first you think you're not going to see more of Benjamin Bratt. And then he popped up in a couple of other episodes. But I love that they brought it home. Yes, I did. With him. And also, I think every series should have Benjamin Bratt in luxury wear on a yacht. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's because that was like it was a GQ spread come to life. V-neck sweater. With the pant, I was like, "Damn, Dead. Dead. that's an outfit." It they nailed it. Just props to the stylist, props to the camera Amen. people. Well done. Amen. The casting phenomenal. And he, you know, really embraced everything about this show. From I, I read a couple interviews with him, and he just he loved everything about it. And he was so glad that he got to do more. You know, he just because he loved the role that they gave him. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, it was also great. You by the tell, way, I think everybody that's in the show is had fun a with blast. it. Yeah, yeah, agree. Um, oh, speaking of man candy, who is the actor? I haven't even looked him up. Who's in the second to last episode? Escape from Shit Mountain. Remember, she like she's like miserable on the mountain, and then this man shows up and rips his shirt off, and he's like, oh, the God. <laughs> I'm like, and then all of a sudden. She's she's sold on living in the mountains. And I'm like, yes. I'm so sorry I didn't look up his name, baby. <laughs> I was too stunned. But now we know what's the name for Christmas. <laughs> yes, please, <laughs> please. I will say, Escape from Ship Mountain, I still give props to them for the best episode title ever. And also, <laughs> thank you for the gift of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Who, it, it's great him. to see him in anything. It is. And it was also revealed that he always has some kind of role in anything that Ryan Johnson does. Oh. In Glass yes. Onion, he was he the was dumb the, the voice. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. 
So isn't that funny? Great to see, great to see him in poker face. Yeah, it's because I just love him. I yeah. love to watch. I think he's a really great actor. Later, in a couple of weeks, when we talk about a show that we have both binged and are obsessed with that we are not allowed to talk about yet. Not yet. I'm going to remind us of the fact that two of our favorite shows featured yellow Lamborghini SUVs, which I just thought was so funny. Oh, I I'm sorry. Ask. I'm a car guy. Oh, okay. I just was like, oh my God, another Lamborghini Urus in bright yellow. I did not know that. Taking a pivotal role in the show. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. And also special shout out from Escape from Shit Mountain because Stephanie Shu uh, from Everything Everywhere All at Once played the character that uh, Natasha Leone's Charlie called Mortimer, who kept trying yes. to steal shit from her. Oh my God, that's right. Terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mortimer. as always, Mortimer. She's like Morty. Um, you know, I will say, like, every now and then again in the show, the Natasha Leone's character does start to grate a little bit because she knows everything and knows when everybody's lying. And so she, you know, like... That's her gift. I know. But every time it would start to grate on me just the tiniest bit, they kind of flip the script and remind you how shitty of a situation she's in and then throw her into the most vulnerable, intense situation that she has no control over. So anyway, it was just kind of an interesting thing I started to notice. I would be like, oh, here she is again, being a know-it-all and like nobody, you know, I, I don't know. Anyway, and then, she, I and then they would really turn it around and I'd be like, oh shit, no, she's actually like really screwed in this situation, having to run from, you know, these like I believe the phrase is, men. just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. Totally. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, you big big shout out, big round of applause to everyone at Poker Face because what a stellar season! Yeah, I and there is season two has been ordered, so woohoo! Oh, I I hope the show just goes on forever. I I do too, and also I'd be totally fine if they decided, you know, if they do another season and then they decide to do maybe like. NBC used to do like those movies of the week. Maybe yeah. they don't do as many, but they do them occasionally. That'd be awesome because it's such a cool conceit. And the fact that they're, I love, I mean, it's like we, the, the murder of the week. Yes. Yes. Like, why do I, why am I addicted to murder? She wrote, why am I now addicted to Columbo? And by the way, there's something nice about being able to sit down and finish a show and then not have to think about it. In a related note, Peacock just ordered a monk movie. Oh, I saw that. Tony Shalhoub's coming back. Yep. As monk. Yeah. A, a, like a fan favorite. So that's a good thing. Yeah. And what Peacock just ordered another season of Bel Air. I saw that. Yeah. And what, oh, and you were talking about a league of their own prime video. Yeah, order. Got, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Got a four episode renewal, which I do not understand. Yeah, I don't even understand the economics of that. I don't know. Apparently, like amortizing costs. I don't yeah, get it. Apparently, like it's taken a really long time because they had to go back and renegotiate contracts with every single person because by having oh god, you know, cutting in half the episode order from eight to four, it created you know, just a different dynamic and, and nobody's really happy, but people are happy, you know, people are happy to get more the, of that show. The fans of that show, and I'm not sure how big the fan base is, but they're very devoted. Yeah. And they're very right. vocal on social media. Yeah. And honestly, I just think there's going to be more and more focus on the cancellation issue and how. There already streamer, is. Yeah. Right. There, there already is. And how right. like the constant cancellations before stories are fully told and like getting people hyped up and then canceling a show after the first season. It's not, it, I mean, it's, it's just not going to work because it's going to, you know, really see too much distrust in the streamers if they keep doing this. 
I don't know what the answer is, but the answer cannot be. If you knew the answer, you'd be really rich. I know. Maybe I'll figure it out. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to work on that. Okay. <laughs> um, another reminder about shows that uh, Rain Dogs premiered on HBO. The first two episodes are available on HBO Max. And Perry Mason is back starring Matthew Rees. And I think the first couple episodes of the new season have aired. so. And it is literally, it's film noir on television. I got to get into it. I haven't watched, I've watched the first season and I loved it. I, I was, haven't seen the new I season I was a little yet. challenged during the first season. It took me a while to get into okay. it. Now I feel like you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Diane, really? Oh. <laughs> well, I powered right through it with no issues. <laughs> but I love him. Yeah, he's really great. And I love the woman who plays Della. I think she's wonderful as well. So... And the look of the show is just, you can just soak it up. It's so beautiful. Talk about the beauty of Shadow and Light. I have watched one episode of Rain Dogs. I, I think it's interesting. It's cool. It's, uh, it's very dark, very, very weird. I mean, not as dark and weird as what we're going to talk about next. but um, Andy's, Andy's in for all the dark and weird. Oh, you know me. All the dark and weird. And I'm also, let's talk about one more show I'm watching that Andy's not. Because I'm watching Daisy Jones and the Six because I'm just such a big Taylor Jenkins Reid fan. And um, I am liking the series very much. Riley Keough just keeps just showing what a star she is. And I want to give a special shout out to the wardrobe designer, Denise Wingate. Because as Daisy is really leaning into her stardom, she's definitely going more in the Stevie Nicks direction. And the wardrobe is very reminiscent of Stevie Nicks, 80s, like even eight, like 80s, even though they're in the 70s right now. Yeah. But it's it's very much kind of these wild and flowy looks and like these beautiful fabrics and things where she looks kind of both angelic and witchy and really cool. Um, and I I also think Sam Claflin. You know, I know everybody knows him from the Hunger Games movies. I don't really watch those. But, my God, his performance in this is just terrific. Uh, I think the show is blessed with an all-around solid ensemble. So I think they're very fortunate in that way. I'm really enjoying it. I think right now a total of seven episodes have dropped. So I'm really liking it. Uh, will I get Andy to watch it? I'm going to say no. I'm listen, no listen. this is another one that I've seen a couple of episodes and I liked it. It's just there's a lot of TV and, you know, I... I could make so many snarky comments to that right now. <laughs> but, like, we have a podcast and, like, aren't we supposed to watch and tell I people? Mean, how many shows are we supposed to talk about? We're <laughs> <laughs> not the encyclopedia of television. I would love to know what you told your teachers when you forgot to study for a quiz. Oh, definitely had excuses for sure. <laughs> this is why Andy's a publicist. We just had this a is quiz why Andy... last week. I'm supposed to do it again? <laughs> I mean, come on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why I love Andy. One of the many reasons <laughs> I love Andy. Well, Andy, okay, you need to talk about A Whole Lifetime with Jamie Demetrio, the Netflix special. Yeah, something I did watch. And really I've only watched part it. of it, so Andy's going to talk about that. Yeah. So this is a Netflix, uh, like, one-hour comedy special. It's a sketch special, yeah. Sketch special from Jamie yeah. Demetrio, who... 
you may know from Staff Let's Flats. Love him. Brilliant little show. And little the British after party. Show. He was in the after the party. The after party. And um, I, there's something about him that I just really love. He's funny. He's so I funny. I think that's he's what you love. adorable. I don't know. He's just a funny. <laughs> that's a good, ter- that's it. Yeah. And I, I, so I could probably watch him in anything. But I, I thought it was very, I mean, you know, it's a sketch show, hit or miss. You know, there's, they're not all, like, hitting it out of the park. But I just thought he's taking on just some really funny things. The first sketch is about, like, a, you know, Gen Z, you know, probably late teen, like, 19, 20-year-old couple and how they never leave their bed, but they're not having sex. And the mom... <laughs> living downstairs is like very concerned and starts tweeting about how she's read that this generation is having less sex than ever. And she's very concerned. And then they're up there reading it and they're like, anyway, it's taking that on. There's stuff about the kind of banality of the Royal family and how the obsession within Great Britain is kind of silly. I mean, it's, there's, he's just taking the piss at a lot of different types of, um, kind of British tropes. And I thought it was pretty funny and charming. So, and okay. yeah, he can do no wrong in my eyes. And apparently he's a singer because I think he actually sang a few of the songs in the show. So, yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I just love that he's, uh, he's the brother of Natasha Dimitri. Natasha Dimitri, who's on What We Do in the Show. Yeah, who plays... Um, my God, so much funny yeah. in, in one family. Oh, my God, yes. Unbelievable. Yes. And if you haven't watched Staff Let's Flats, oh, that's, a that's on HBO Max, and that is a very that's good, a really delightful funny show. British comedy. He plays a real estate agent, and boy, I love, okay, that he show just, I he love. He excels at playing completely hapless kind of just goofball idiots. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yes, yeah. true. Um, I've been watching Unprisoned on Hulu, which... Uh, Kerry Washington and Delroy Lindo star in the episodes are a half hour. And I got to tell you, this show really surprised me. Delroy Lindo, his character uh, just got out of prison and Kerry Washington plays his daughter who is a therapist. She's very popular. Like she uses social media to like talk about things. She does IG lives and very interesting kind of, I want to say it's really like a family comedy. Because she has a lot of unresolved issues with her dad, but he winds up living with her and her son. Um, that's all I'm going to tell you right now. But let me tell you, these episodes fly by, and Yvette Lee Bowser, who worked on so many fantastic sitcoms, is one of the executive producers of this show that is Unprisoned and now streaming on Hulu. I am going to watch this one for sure. I'm telling you. Really? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm floored. I'm speechless. <laughs> well, not quite. Okay, good. Oh, shoot, now I really have to. I want to compare notes with you. Okay. Um, it, sa- another- it just sounds really cool. I'm, I'm interested. Another reminder, there's a Luther movie called Luther, The Fallen Son uh, on Netflix. And whether you watch the Luther series, you know, before, that's this is the one that stars Idris Elba. Um, he's been saying in interviews that you don't necessarily have to have watched the series to enjoy the movie. So, look, anytime Idris is on screen playing John Luther, it's worth watching. So I'm going to try. I'm going to watch that this weekend. That or when the rains come and I can't go outside. <laughs> um, I also wanted to talk about I got to go to a cool event, Andy. I saw. I went out. I left the house 
And I went to the beautiful Orpheum Theater in downtown Los Angeles. Cool. The nice folks at, at Disney Branded Entertainment did a fabulous event for their special called A Sort of Homecoming with Bono the Edge and David Letterman. And it is now streaming on Disney+. Plus. It dropped today. They screened the, this documentary special, which is, has Dave going to Ireland and he talks to Bono and The Edge. The other members of U2 were off doing some of their own projects. But he talked to Bono and The Edge about how they write songs, about how certain songs came to be, and how some of them have been updated to reflect changes in Ireland. So it's Letterman in Dublin. And then he goes, and then they play some of the songs, of course, in a couple of smaller venues. And they have a choir helping them. They have some local musicians, Glenn Hansard, best known for being part of the fabulous show. Once movie once is a friend of theirs. So he's in it quite a bit and he sings with them. It's, it's wonderful. I just loved this. And then they did a live panel. Letterman came out with Bono and the edge and the director Morgan Neville. And they talked about, you know, making this in Dublin, you know, and, and Dave, Dave Letterman is uh, not young anymore, but Dave, there's, there's a particular bit at the very, very end of the special and make sure you watch to the very, very end because Dave had already returned home and he went back to Dublin for a day or two to film this extra bit. So I just want everybody to watch to the very I end. I heard he was great on um, Jimmy Kimmel this week too. Yes, which I have not watched yeah, yet. I, I tried that. to stay up and then me and my weird sleep um, habits. Just, just a quick update Yeah, um, on the man candy front. <laughs> I have found out who the mountain man from Poker Face is. Who? His name is Chris Cortez. Um, and he is a stuntman, which makes perfect sense why he's got that bod. Chris, look out because Andy will be stalking you on it. <laughs> Andy will be sliding into oh, your DMs any day. I will now. not. I will just look from afar. And and respectively uh, from a distance. The other two things I wanted to mention that I've watched, uh, I've been on a, a bit of a documentary uh, thing over on Hulu. Uh, FX does this great series, The New York Times Presents. So I wound up watching. It's called The Sin Eater, and it's about Anthony Pelicano. Yeah. who is basically known as a Hollywood fixer. Yeah. And a lot of uh, the town, a lot of Hollywood's lawyers and agents, if they had a problem with a celebrity client, they would call Anthony Pelicano to either shut people up, not get rid of them. He didn't kill people, but he threatened a lot of people. And one of the people that he threatened who did participate in the documentary was Anita Bush who used to work for, I believe, The Hollywood Reporter. And let me tell you, this, this is a very, these are very powerful hours. Wow. Very, very good. And the New York Times reporters who reported on this, and Pelicano is in the documentary as well. He did time. He was sentenced to prison. He served time. I was going to say, is he and now he's, a free man? <laughs> yeah, he is a free man now. He got out in, I think, 2019. Okay. So he did participate in this. It is a very, they're very interesting. Again, that's, that's over on Hulu. The New York Times presents The Sin Eater is what it's called. And the other thing, the other documentary that just blew me away is airing this Sunday 
March 19th on HBO and then on HBO Max. It's called All the Beauty and Bloodshed. And it's a documentary about Nan Golden, who is a photographer and an activist. And it is so much about the intersection of art and queer culture and activism because after Nan Gold, Nan Golden lived through watching a lot of her friends, and she also had a problem with addiction. Mm. A lot of her friends had problems with addiction, and then she watched the AIDS epidemic start. And she watched, she lost a lot of people she loved during the AIDS epidemic, but she lost even more to opioid addiction. And she herself had a problem with opioid addiction. She started a group called Pain to help addicts and to help reduce the stigma of drug addiction. She's an She's an amazing woman. It's an amazing documentary. And she's also campaigned successfully to get the Sackler family name removed from art galleries because she, as if you've watched a little bit about anything about the Sackler family, they have tried to sort of cleanse their name. Oh, yeah. That by funding oh, sure. a lot of art uh, yeah. and a lot of galleries. Yeah, it's, it's sickening. It is. So I cannot recommend this and, documentary more and highly. She's been successful. She I has. Feel like most of the institutions taken have a, taken their name. A lot off, of them. Right? A lot of the major mm-hmm. galleries in the art world have now removed the Sackler name. I mean, it's disgusting. It's like it's like a heinous crime that they that any anyway. I get. I mean, I know that at the well, time they took the money, they didn't necessarily know how heinous this family was, but right now, right. They need to be erased. Well, and it's also tough in the art world. Look, the art world's very difficult anyway. Absolutely. Hard to raise yeah, money. Yeah, right. right. Um, Laura Poitras directed this documentary, but Nan Golden is just a treasure. She's incredible to watch. It's called All the Beauty and Bloodshed, and it airs this Sunday, March 19th on HBO. Um, and now Andy about swarm oh my god i forgot we still haven't talked about swarm our our basically obsession of the week pretty i think so i think so yeah all seven episodes just dropped on prime video and dominique fishback stars in this series she's already been creating a sensation in hollywood with her work this is the new series if you haven't heard yet it's from donald glover and janine neighbors Stephen Glover is also working on it. So there's been some pulls from the Atlanta crew. Mm-hmm. Andy, this show, I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was in sort of the horror thriller genre. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything about it until you said, Andy, I really need you to watch <laughs> this show. And I, my first impressions were like, oh my gosh, my little dog is joining the podcast. <laughs> Um, he just jumped on the couch with us. Um, I didn't know what to expect. And in the first 15 minutes, I was like, what is this like insanity? I have never seen anything like this show. It is. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like wild. There's a lot. Yeah. There is a lot. Yeah. Basically swarm loosely sort of correlates to people that are obsessed with a certain celebrity performer. And Gee, where do you think they obs- got? Where do you think they got swarm from? I don't know. Is it something related to the bees or beehives? The I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Could, it be. could be. It could might be. be. I don't know. We're just saying. What's also interesting about the show, 
and as you watch it, pay attention to the sounds, to the background sounds. That's such a good point. And to there are certain little sound stings, for lack of a better word, that that keep turning up when uh, Dominique Fishbeck's character Dre does certain things. It really, I think that's what gives it the horror movie feel. Yes. It really like plays with you in that way with sound. I think that's so true. It's very um, grainy looking, but saturated. Yes. Like it's got a really interesting visual palette. Um, it is, at first I, I was like, oh, this feels like almost like a sci-fi horror thing, but it's not. It's not. I don't think it is. Necessarily. I, think it's very gr- I think it's very grounded. Okay. I mean, I haven't seen enough to like, no. I've watched four of the seven. Okay. It's very, very violent, but also very funny. <laughs> like. Dark. Dark, dark funny. Very dark funny. Which is why I mean, it. It's like, when it hits, it's like, Wow. The other thing that really struck me, a lot of the time they show people who are scrolling on social media when they're on the toilet. (laughs) And I was like, you know, I think this was a very, very deliberate pick. For sure. I mean, who amongst us? Hey, we all do it. Yeah. Um, But I I just, Dominique Fishback is astounding. Downing in the show. She's so, so good. And it's not just about it's not just a commentary about celebrity obsession. It's about a lot more than that. It's about it becomes as we'll talk more about it <laughs> next week when people have had a chance to watch. It's funny, they had Amazon had very strict uh most streamers do there are things they don't want you to reveal very specific yeah Yeah. like things that you were in it's aired now so we don't we couldn't talk about more but we'll wait until we want to give you a chance to watch yeah because also i am i do not like to spoil things for anyone yeah and i just i just want y'all to watch because i think it's, I think it's a really, really phenomenal show. Yeah, it's hard to say much about it without being spoilery. Yeah. And I need to watch the rest, like, right away. Yeah, I'm going to finish this. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, boy, so that's Swarm, and that is now streaming on Prime Video. And is it, are all episode, episodes yeah. out today? Yeah, it's only seven so episodes, seven episodes all and all, se- all are streaming. So oh, I love a good binge. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, and just um, also... As part of today's episode, we have not one, but two episodes. Yes. I had the chance to hop on, on the Zoom with Katherine Haynick Kim from ABC's The Company You Keep, yeah. which I'm loving. Katherine Haynick Kim is the lead opposite Milo Ventimiglia. And she plays Emma, the CIA agent. Uh, as you know, if you have been following the show, which I hope you have, it's a, it's a really good fun show um milo's character charlie was abducted and got thrown into a van so a new episode is airing this sunday so i got to talk to Catherine for a little tease of what might be coming up you know and how her experience has been working with milo um and boy what a great thing to get paid for necking with milo and ventimiglia (laughs) that is called ladies that is called a job perk 
And oh then the God. other chat I got to have was with John Enbaum from Party Down, one of the showrunners uh, of Party Down and executive producers. And geez, what a lovely guy he is. And I hope you're getting to watch the new episodes that are streaming on Stars because they're very funny. They're dropping an episode this week where the whole crew winds up on mushrooms, which is oh god, I haven't gotten to that one yet. So good, yeah. Oh, I think the new episodes. I love them again. The lure of familiarity. Yeah, it's like people you just want to hang out with. Totally. So that's an easy show. I absolutely love it. No no brainer required. (laughs) Just turn it on and enjoy it. Yeah, and they're so so good. Yeah. Um, so please, please, oh please, won't you stay tuned for those chats as well? We hope you enjoy those. And Andy and I will be back next week. And until then, you have so much good stuff to watch. Stay home, get comfortable, watch some stuff. Let us know what you think. Yeah. You know, we're, I'm at the Surf Report on all the socials. Andy, you can find him on Facebook. You can go to our What's the Hook Facebook page. Leave us comments. Tell us what you think. Please. We love hearing from you. Indeed. And in the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. My very special guest right now on What's the Hook, Catherine Haina Kim from The Company You Keep, one of my favorite new broadcast network shows. And I love that ABC is just leaning into shows that look traditional, but aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to ask you, what was the process like when you were being, when you were going through the casting process for this show? I mean, honestly, I've been calling this my dream role since the first audition. And yeah. And from what I understand, they looked all over the world for this part. Um, I feel like, yeah, uh, I think it came down to four of us in LA, one girl in Korea. Um, I know. And, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people in general, but especially actors, they they don't like to talk about the auditions, I think, because sometimes it's scary to admit you really want one uh, because if it doesn't work out, then, um, well, then it sucks. <laughs> so, I get it. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, Brene Brown, um, she talks a lot about how if we set the bar low in life just so the fall's a little bit softer. It's it's not really a way to live that, uh, you know, uh, there's you something about big. Like, you gotta dream right. big. Right. And, and, and acting hmm. is so hard because you have to get used to hearing the word no. And I oh imagine God. that's so difficult. Yes. Well, I just stopped listening to it. That's why I'm still doing this. I'm like, you mean later. Okay, great, perfect. Uh, and with this role, I mean, I couldn't stop talking about it. It didn't matter if you were the guy working at CVS, the person on the treadmill next to me. If I talked to you for more than two minutes in the month it took to audition for this part, you knew about this project and you knew I was auditioning for it and how excited I was. Yeah. and I just have to ask, I know um, I'm, a, I'm kind of familiar with how the process works, but I have to imagine there was what they call a chemistry read with yes. Milo Ventimiglia. I cannot think of a better audition, kind of audition to have than a chemistry read with Milo Ventimiglia. <laughs> Are you comfortable to talk about that? 
Yeah. I mean, you know, he actually did this really classy thing. Um, he came and introduced himself in the waiting room before I went in. So it wasn't going to be like, hi, nice to meet you. Should we make out now? Um, and <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, um, okay, sure. And, uh, um, you know, in all the years that I've done chemistry reads and studio tests and, uh, I've never actually had an actor come out and do that. It's just, it seems like such a simple thing, um, but it's such a thoughtful, classy thing. And even when I went in for the chemistry read, I was like, oh, who arranged this room? I knew it was going to be another actor because it looked like an off, off Broadway production of the company you keep because we were auditioning with the bar scene and just the way there was a table, there were drinks for us, the way our uh, chairs were situated. It's all those little things that really matter. Sure. And, um, and I mean, as it is, it was nerve wracking because with the pandemic, I hadn't had a single in-person audition of any kind right. in almost years. Everything was on Zoom. Everything was booked off tape. And so to hear that it's going to be in person mm -hmm, and it's for this dream role and it's going to be a chemistry with Milo. I was just like, sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Great. Great. This is so great. Yeah. You have all my respect just for maintaining your composure. I've also, I've covered a lot of red carpets. So I covered a lot of This Is Us events. So I've met Milo many, 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 many times and he is just what I like to refer to as a mensch. He is a, he's a gentleman. Yes. And I am not surprised that he came out and introduced himself because that is just how he rolls. And when this is us was ending. One of the things he kept saying on the press line was I'm going to try and get the crew to come over to my new show. And he did from what I'm hearing, he, he got a lot of them to, you know, migrate over to this show so you're working with a lot of that crew. And um, how is the vibe on set? You know, it's so nice because they already have a shorthand. Um, but we also have some fun additions. Uh, and um, and everyone's been really welcoming. And, you know, I think they had a beautiful show that is own special thing. And now we get sure. to create something new together, which is really exciting in a different way. And uh, it, it's funny because I was just saying um, Milo has mentioned Mandy more in a few interviews and how that's the one person he really misses from This Is Us. That's the one crew member he didn't get to bring over. And um, I think that speaks so highly of her. And I always joke that I, you know, leave all my exes better, hopefully, than I found them. And so I'm grateful for all the amazing women who have come before me. And I know he's that much better of a scene partner and and person because of his six years with her. And so much so that we were chatting and she made me this beautiful, thoughtful video for him as part of his rap gift. Oh, I love that. I mean, look, he I think you have you two have a very unique chemistry on your own. And that's why the show works. It's it's you knew it going in. It's one of the most important elements of the show. But then there's also on great actors like William Fickner, Polly Draper, just these fabulous people in the ensemble. And I love the actress. I don't know. Is she your assistant or your colleague? Uh, she's hilarious. She's so yeah, funny. You guys, she's great. 
And yes. you guys are great. Your scenes with her are great. So I feel, but I feel like, look, we all knew that central chemistry with Milo. And I, w- it was just so refreshing to see you when I watched the pilot, because I watched a screener well before the premiere. I was like, oh, well, that's lovely. That's not the typical casting. So I loved seeing that. Yeah. And if I loved it. Yeah, like a good love story in a while. And we haven't seen a true two-hander in a while either, which is yes. really yes. Yeah. And you do, you get the love story, you get the family drama, then you have the CIA con artist stuff. And you're just like, wait, usually we're wondering like, are they going to get together? Will they, won't they? But it's like, no, they do. And they do very fast, literally the first very three fast. Yeah. all based on lies. So it's like, well, what happens when the truth comes out? Because it has to, at some point, you can't lie forever. Well, I realize you're probably more informed and I don't want you to spoil anything, of course. But the next new episode is coming up this Sunday, March 19th, since mm-hmm. the Oscars preempted it on the 12th. Yeah. So can, what can you tease about the episode that's coming up this this coming Sunday? Is Emma going to be at all? My, my principal question is, will Emma be involved at all with who abducted Charlie? We saw him get abducted at the end of the last mm-hmm. episode. Right. I mean, is she going to wind up doing anything? Any idea? Uh, I mean, I think that's a very good guess. I guess we'll have to watch to find out. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I will say with our show, it's not like the entire season you're wondering what's going to happen and all of a sudden you find out everything in the finale. What's really fun about our show is... um, there are huge reveals right away. Like in the very next episode, there's going to be a very big reveal. And then once that truth is out, you can't go back. And it's only going to start this snowball of more truths coming out. So every single episode is bigger and better, even in the cons, every con tops itself. So um, I feel like we're just getting started. I think Milo's very good at thinking with a producer brain. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't want to be one season and done, you know, he, especially on network television, you want to go for multiple seasons. That's the ideal. So I have to think that the writer's room board is already chock full of ideas for season two, Yes, which I would hope they're doing because I think the show is really engaging, but I feel like the romance is very important and that still has to be a key element of it. And what I love the most is that it's a professional woman who's very good at her job, yes. but still attracted to bad boys. And, and isn't that relatable? Right. Well, love is blind. And I think also she has her guard down because she's nursing a heartbreak uh, when they meet, as is he. And, and it's interesting because they're both professional liars. So in one respect, it's that they're just both so good at what they do that they're conning each other. And also when feelings are involved, I think sometimes everything goes out the window. Ain't that the truth? And the other thing I really love is that Emma's family is very involved in politics and is vying for that power politically and of course, it's kind of already been alluded to that Emma would make a great politician. Mm-hmm. And since her brother's campaign is not going well, does Emma even entertain the idea of 
maybe going in a different direction? No, actually, I'm not sure that it's ever been alluded to that she would be a good politician. I think her dad actually says she'd be a terrible politician. (laughs) Oh, maybe I misheard that. I think with Emma um, and CI officers in general, I'm going to butcher, there's this beautiful quote um, in civil disobedience. And it's something about how our highest duty is not to follow the law. It's to do what we know is right. And it's really, really stuck with me. I read that, um, not the whole book. I read that quote before before we started filming the pilot. (laughs) Because I I totally geeked out and I watched a million movies and shows and read a bunch of books by female CI officers, by former CI officers who who are now um, out of the the agency. But... uh, Yeah, that's something that really, really stuck with me. And that's something also that they have in common, Emma and Charlie. Because yes, Charlie's uh, a criminal, but they're very selective about who they steal from. It's very much a Robin Hood ethos. They they take from people that aren't such great people. Yes. So that's a very... Emma also lies, right, because we're talking national security and millions of people's lives at stake. So she has a reason as to every single lie she tells. Otherwise, I think it would get too confusing. And from what I understand, that's also how a lot of CIA officers in life work, because um, otherwise you're just lying for the sake of lying. There's no point to it, you know? So true. Um, I, a small segue here, you know, after watching the Oscars, I was rooting heavily for everything everywhere all at once, because I feel for one, there's never been a movie like it. I mean, a lot of people were saying, oh, they ripped off the matrix. And I was like, no, maybe a little style wise, but it was, there was this beautiful mother daughter story. It was beautiful to see Asian American actors just telling this beautiful beautiful story and creators behind the scenes and then seeing you in this role. And I just, what was your reaction? I would love to know your thoughts about this. Yeah, I mean, it's so exciting. And again, like you said, I don't think, I mean, we I know we've never seen a film like that before. So much so that I was joking and saying when I watch it in theaters, half the time I was like, this is, wow, like, am I seeing genius unfold because it's fantastic and fantastical and and brilliant. And, but the other half of the time I was like, oh my God, did I take drugs and forget? Because what is happening? What are these sausage fingers? And were they plungers or butt plugs? I'm like, could you imagine being an extra on set where like, you don't actually know the context of everything? (laughs) What is this movie? Why are all these big people involved? Part of me thinks it would be the best gig in the world, but I had the same reaction because it was one of the few movies I went to the movie theater to see. I didn't want to wait till it got to streaming. And I remember sitting in a nearly empty movie theater on a Saturday, Hmm. watching it and just saying, this is like an acid trip, but great. Great, yeah. So when I would tell people to watch it, I'd say, I'm just not going to tell you about it. You just need to watch it and experience it because there hasn't really been a lot of movies like this. You just have to see it. Mm-hmm. And I was also very, I was especially elated for to see Michelle Yeoh win and Ki- Kiwi Kwan. 
who I almost didn't recognize at first when I saw him in the movie. And then I went, oh my God, it's him. Um, but that's why, like, when I saw you in the pilot of this, I just thought, well, see, this is beautiful. We're telling, we're just, as a matter of fact, we're seeing all types of families, all types of people. And that's what I want from stories. Mm, yes. And so for me, it's twofold, right? Because it's so exciting to celebrate these wins, especially at the Oscars last weekend. Um, I can't wait till it's not something newsworthy anymore that we see so much of it that it's just a normal thing that happens all the time. Yeah. And also just as humans, right? Like, I mean, fundamentally, I think we, a lot of us want the same things we need and fear a lot of the same things. Because we're all human beings. Exactly. But we're also uniquely different. And so I think the more we see all different kinds of people on screen telling all different kinds of stories, we get to add to this collective human story. And, and I think it'll help us connect and understand each other better too. I, I couldn't have said it better. And Catherine, what a treat it was to talk to you today. Thanks so much for taking some time. This was just great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And just continued success on the show. I will be watching. uh, How many episodes total are you guys doing for your first season? We're doing 10. We actually just finished uh, filming the pilot. I mean, the pilot, the finale last week. I'm still trying to catch up on sleep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I, I cannot wait. I am looking forward to what I hope will be an easy pickup, a no brainer pickup for ABC because boy, you guys have earned it. So, but um, this has been just great and I'm so excited for you guys and just keep working hard, keep working hard. It's just terrific. Thank you. I hope to see you again soon. Same here. I have John Enbaum with me from Party Down. Yes, dreams come true. Party Down is back for an all too short run on stars, but, but, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. The show is back, John. Did you ever really think it, it, it would happen? Uh, I don't know if we ever thought it, but we, we dreamed it. So that's uh, kind of, we, we somehow manifested it after 13 years. It seems like it was such a long road back, but I really appreciate that you guys kept trying and that I, I know it was sort of, I know it was a stutter start, you know, to get there, but I'm so happy it's finally happening. And I really hope that tons more people find it. I know that more people have been watching it on Hulu, which makes me the first two seasons on Hulu, which makes me very mm-hmm. happy. Um, how many people come up to you just in your average daily life to talk about the show? Um, not a ton. I mean, my daily life is mostly driving, uh, my daughter back and forth to school and things of that nature. So, you know, they, they did put up a billboard not too far from where she goes to school. So I, I finally got them to ask a question, but, uh, you know, by and large, I sort of go about my business or whatever. So I'm not getting, I'm not fielding a million questions, uh, on the day-to-day basis. Um, I wanted to ask you in the, since it's been a long time since you did the first two seasons, do you think that like Hollywood eccentricities and kind of little weird personal things have changed in the intervening years? And if so, Um, how? 
I mean, it's definitely changed a great deal. I mean, just kind of the way the the way the business works, what sort of counts as, you know, the entertainment business in general. Um, you know, all those things have changed a great deal. And, you know, it was one of the reasons that we were kind of excited to get this opportunity was because we were able to kind of, you know, make our attempt to kind of address some of that stuff. You know, we'd, we'd already always, even going back to the original version of the show, we'd always kind of used it as a selling point, this idea that, you know, given that it's catering, you know, any number of people can come in, in and out of the show. Yes. You know, we, we originally couldn't make deals with the original cast. So we were always worried that they would get a better job and vanish. So that was kind of how we kind of sold the idea to stars that like, you know, we can't, don't worry about that. We can always bring in new people or whatever, because there's a million versions of these characters who are kind of looking to be somewhere else, but they're stuck here for now. So, you know, we, we were excited that we were finally able to kind of try that out and kind of bring in some people who spoke to just what you were talking about, all these kind of new ways that, you know, you know, these, these ambitions and dreams kind of manifest themselves. And I love that in the new uh, crop of, of episodes that you've given a nod to social media and influencers and like uh, Lydia, Megan Mullally's daughter, who is kind of an actress and an influencer. I love that felt very contemporary. I was almost <laughs> shocked that there wasn't a mention of Ozempic because <laughs> it's all the rage. Nobody's eating it. I only I just heard that word maybe a week or two ago. So <laughs> like we've been working on this for like the last year and a half or so. So we're wow. um yeah, we didn't that that concept had not crossed our 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 transom yet. It's more recent than that. Yeah, no wonder. Um, I also <laughs> have to ask one of the things that Party Down has always done best is there's a sort of melancholy and bittersweetness to a lot of the characters, and yet the show is still incredibly funny. And how do you guys walk that line in the writers' room? Um, well, I mean, that was sort of you know, the, from the very, very beginning, that was kind of, before we even had an idea for what the show was, we had kind of an idea for what we wanted it to kind of feel like. And that was kind of where we started. And, you know, it was based off us kind of, you know, both having things that we really liked um, in comedy or whatever that, you know, came from say, like, you know, the first time we saw the British office or, you know, other British stuff like, you know, Alan Partridge or things like that, which, you know, had very much a different feel and rhythm to kind of the multi-camera kind of very jokey comedies right. um, that, you know, we were seeing um, at the time. But, you know, so that was kind of the goal from the very beginning was to speak to the kind of, you know, try and play both sides where we, we could, you know, both have our you know, the pathos of, you know, these states of being, but also lean as hard as we could into it still being funny and still being, you know, cringeworthy when that was called for, but, you know, that it was all the, driven by the situation these characters were in, as opposed to just being, you know, one-liners back and forth. I think one of the beautiful things you did in the new episodes is that, you know, Henry's, Henry's hesitant to want to get back into it. But he still wants to, like underneath, underneath, he, to an extent, he still wants to. And when he meets Jennifer Garner's character, Evie, mm -hmm. you know, when they hit it off and she's a successful producer and you just, I don't know, I worked, 
I've always worked in entertainment. I've never had any other kind of job. And I don't deny <laughs> there's an obscene lure to it. And mm-hmm. I, I hate even confessing it, but <laughs> there is something about being around creative people that is very alluring. And I think this is also where, you know, the many wonders of Adam Scott are on display, how shaded his mm-hmm. performance is. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, well, going all the way back, that was sort of like, you know, a big, the biggest challenge of this character from the very beginning was just what you talked about is the fact that, you know, he's not, you know, he's not somebody out there with like a sort of, you know, he's not out to find the man who murdered his wife or anything. Like he doesn't have these driving goals or anything. He's kind of in the opposite position where he's trying to reconfigure what he's doing in his life and who he is and all these kind of things. So it's, it's, it's a weirdly upside down kind of, you know, borderline passive character who's kind of static and trying to get moving again. Um, And so, you know, that, we were always worried that that was a really hard job for an actor to sort of step into. Um, and I think, you know, it's one of the reasons we liked Adam from the very get-go, you know, we did, I didn't even really know him that well as an actor. I think the only thing I'd seen him in at the time was uh, Step Brothers, where he's playing a very, oh. di- you know, he's very funny, oh, but he's playing character. a very different character. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we had met him and we kind of knew him through um, Paul Rudd, who's one of the other, you know, producers on this um, that we worked on this with. Um, and just knowing him, we were like, it seems like he's up for the task because just as a person, he has a lot of that very kind of dry kind of, you know, calculating qualities and, you know, a lot of nuance and subtlety or whatever um, wow. that we thought really lent themselves to a character like this and being able to kind of, you know, play it with kind of all sorts of different shadings or whatever. And like, kind of, you know, still seeing that hope, you know, kind of buried deep down, but also not playing it as, you know, a typical kind of, you know, fame, you know, character at the school of the performing arts, who's just like, you know, out there chasing the dream or whatever, somebody who's much more ambivalent about where they're at and, you know, playing those kind of things was, you know, something that we, we're nervous about and very excited to see that Adam could really dig in and pull it off and continues to. I mean, in I think it's even tougher now that, you know, he, you know, we're 12 years, we're all 12 years older or whatever. I think the other thing the show is really blessed with is it's always had sort of a cast of comedy, like comedy MVPs. There's really, there are no weak links. There never mm-hmm. have been. You know, we, you know, fans were sad that Lizzie Kaplan didn't come back, but mm-hmm. we were also show, sad about that. But well, like, but the show is not she's... necessarily weaker for it because everyone in the show and I, I, I actually want to give you a chance to please, oh, please rave about Ken Marino because he is so <laughs> incredible as Ron Donald, as the hub of this show. And you've seen it over the years. And I just, mm-hmm. I just want your take on that. Oh, it's, you know, we can also, you know, all all the original cast for the most part, um, with a few exceptions, were people that, you know, at the time when we were doing the show that was just very, you know, it was very scrappy, low budget. We basically shot a kind of spec pilot ourselves um, just to try and help sell it and everything. And so the people that we could get to help us out were the people that we could just call or email or be just like, you know, 
you say. Um, and Ken was one, we had worked with him, uh, on Veronica Mars. So we actually, you know, he, he came in and originally was doing just this kind of, you know, what was supposed to be kind of a one-off guest star thing, but, you know, we enjoyed working with him so much and he was so funny, um, that we just kept bringing him back. So we kind of knew that he had it in him. Um, cause we'd already kind of had, you know, that experience of kind of just adding stuff for him to do. Um, but I think, you know, we definitely between his performance and kind of seeing what he was doing and how that helped us understand who this character really was, because he did kind of start out a little differently at the beginning as we kind of were originally writing him. And I think for the better, what Ken was able to bring to it and kind of that weird combination of just his feverish hunger and his like ability to just withstand so much punishment and suffering or whatever to kind of achieve his, you know, his goals or whatever, you know, really helped crystallize like who this character was. So, you know, I think, you know, that's the wonderful thing about having a situation like this where you're able to kind of, you know, see that happen and write to it as it's happening. Um, so that, you know, Ron Donald kind of evolved into the character that he is kind of through Ken's performance and us kind of seeing like, Oh, this is, this is what works. This is what it is. And so, you know, unfortunately for him, like we've just kind of lean harder and harder on like, did. Yes, this did. idea of this, you know, cause well, he is I such a, he's kind of a perfect kind of polar opposite to the kind of more, you know, calculating and ambivalent Henry character who is not so sure whether or not to engage in this kind of, you know, pursuit of, you know, his own ambitions and dreams and everything. And then you have Ken's character on the flip side who is prepared to literally, you know, saw himself down to a nub to try and just, you know, achieve something. Um, and who you and so I think, you know, on so many occasions, it's unbelievable. Well, and I think it's part of, you know, it's very much plays into the kind of this thematic kind of examination of, you know, the party down idea or whatever of kind of what does it mean to never give up on your dreams or whatever, you know, does that mean you're literally, you know, just getting like you, you get the absolute crap kicked out of you and keep going and keep going and keep going. Um, and so, you know, I think the two of them form kind of an interesting bookend to the ideas and everything. And obviously it's always, you know, incredible comedy to have him around doing that. Amen. And a specific guest star question. How did Nick Offerman react when you pitched him the story that you wanted him to guest star in? Because it has to do basically with neo-Nazis. Um, I think, you know, he, uh, we didn't really even pit, like we had, I'm trying to remember even, you know, cause we had met him before, you know, through Megan and everything. Megan, and we, you know, sure. said like, we're, you know, we're, we're dying to have you on the show. And so, you know, I think we literally just, you know, sent it to him and he was like, all right, I'll see you there. I mean, obviously he was not going to back down or anything. He was ready to go, you know, and you know, the, sadly, there's stuff that we weren't able to include in there. I mean, he he came in with his own, you know, there's a part where he delivers a speech kind of at the, be, you know, a presentation to the the group at the kind of beginning where he, you know, he had a whole thing that he came with. It was an absolutely incredible. But, you know, for time, unfortunately, we couldn't include his whole oh. presentation or whatever. But, Darn. you know, he, 
Yeah, no, we're, I mean, we're huge fans and everything. And so we were certainly not let down with what he brought to the whole thing. When I was watching all of the screeners and trust me, I burned through them the minute they, they landed <laughs> in the queue. Um, it seemed absolutely seamless. Like, like you hadn't been away from each other at all. <laughs> were, were there any challenges of, of like getting the band back together or was it as easy? Um, I mean, there were huge challenges this time to getting the band back together just because, you know, Schedules? compared to where we left off 12 years ago, everybody got a little more famous and yes. busy. Um, so, you know, that's one of the reasons, unfortunately, that Lizzie couldn't join us is because, you know, we had this miraculous little window where, you know, we felt like, oh, if we could squish everybody into this one little spot, we think we can do it. But then Lizzie was the only one who had, you know, conflicts. And if Robert. we moved one way, you know, a week one way or the other, other people well, fall out. Else. And so yeah. we kind of just were like, this is, we have to, this is our one moment. We have to do it now. So, but, you know, in terms of that was the complicated part. And then for the rest of it, we just kind of went back to, you know, we'd, we'd always wanted to do more of the show. We never stopped thinking about it. So sort of stepping back into that mindset was actually not that hard. You know, once we got everybody back together, you know, back in the old days, we did it just hanging out at, you know, Rob Thomas's house on his like patio or whatever and talking about it. And this time we all had to do it over Zoom because it was, you know, kind of deep pandemic lockdown phase or whatever when we got going. Um, but it was, you know, it was all the same muscles and everything. And, so actually planning all the stuff out and kind of starting to break stuff and everything, you know, which is always the most fun part of the whole thing was, you know, just like riding a bike. Well, I, I kind of figured I'm so glad you <laughs> it was easy for you because that's exactly what well, I and we also, you know, we very much wanted to just keep doing more of the same, but it's just 12 years later. We didn't want to frame it as, you know, this is a special event. This is some sort of nostalgic you know, kind of one-off or anything like that. We approached it very much like we want to be doing just the same thing as if we had never stopped doing the show, as if this was like the 12th season or whatever. Um, so, you know, that was, cause we very much were terrified about going in and screwing everything up or making a mess or doing something that didn't feel like it was in the spirit of, you know, the original, which we were all very happy with and we enjoyed making. So we didn't want to, you know, <laughs> destroy our legacy by kind of doing <laughs> something it. that didn't feel like it was, you know, in the spirit of what we had done before. Um, what was the weirdest Hollywood party you've ever attended? Cause I got to think you boy weird ones. <laughs> I, you know, I was never a huge weird party goer. So I think the weirdest, the, the only, the, like the weirdest thing I can ever think of is randomly ending up, you know, back when I was in my twenties or something and would do things like this of just like in sort of socially hopping around in some Hollywood party to some other Hollywood party and then ending up at somebody's house where we at four in the morning, we're just kind of looking around and wondering where we were. And then just realizing that this person had a bunch of ostriches and emus in their backyard. <laughs> they were just kind of looking in the windows at us. And we were just like, all right, we've taken this too far. If we need to, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't, you know, a lot of, you know, I think that's one of the reasons it's fun for us to sort of think of these parties because none of us, I think are big wild Hollywood characters in our own right so this is our you know 
you know, this is our chance to sort of fantasize about, you know, just the weird, weird things that can go on big or small, scruffy or glamorous or what have you. Well, John, I just want to say to you, I used to cover Hollywood events, like cover red carpets and mm-hmm. events. So I will volunteer as tribute to just email you a bunch of shit I saw over the years because it just, I I can't, I'm surprised. I rolled my eyes so many times. I'm surprised they didn't stick that way. And I would say some (laughs) weird stuff I saw, but not safe for work. Um, My, my other question is, are you sort of keeping a running list of more episode ideas? I say that selfishly because I want more episodes. (laughs) I'm just putting it out there. Oh, we do too. No, we, we, we always have, and we have, you know, cause we've, if scheduling, permits. you know, we've, if scheduling permits, we are, you know, if they give us the opportunity and we can get everybody in the same room, you know, we're always gung ho to go back and do more. Is and there, we always kind of running, keep. Are there, is there a running file of ideas? Here and there, you know, we, cause we, you know, we've tried to do this on multiple occasions and it's, you know, it's the sort of thing that we've always wanted to do. We've always, you know, every few years figured out a reason to sort of, you know, creep back into the star's offices and kind of try and convince them that we have a new angle or a new way to do it or something like yes, that. Yes. Just, and so, you know, it's, it's always something that's in the back of our minds and it's always that sort of thing where if, you know, some weird thing pops up or some weird, you know, because we always think of it both in terms of just like, you know, what's a weird party, but also what's the problem of this party. So whenever any of those two ideas kind of pop into your head or something, you know, we always make sure to just sort of scribble it down just in case. Um, So hope springs eternal, as they say. (laughs) And the last question is you guys have always had amazing guest stars. I'm sorry, but I keep thinking, I go back to Steve Gutenberg. I don't know why. <laughs> but, you know, what, getting amazing. someone like Jennifer Garner and James Marsden, who's great whenever he shows up. Um, yeah, he's fantastic. Do you guys keep a wish list? Um, I know I have to think that a lot of people in the industry like the show a lot because it's such a sharp and sly look on the industry. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think what we, cause from very early on, like, like the very first season where we were doing the show, nobody even knew about it and nobody knew what it was. So early on, almost a lot of our guest stars came from just people that, you know, someone could, you know, up. just make an appeal to or whatever, you know, for instance, um, Steven Weber did his episode because he literally lived on like the same in the same neighborhood as the director. And they, he just ran, we were like, who's going to play this role. We don't, you know, we're looking and he, was, he just came in and he was just like, Oh, but you know, I ran into my neighbor and you know, what do you think of, you know, I can ask him. So we had a fair amount of that kind of just kind of little insidery random, just find somebody that you can kind of appeal to just because, you know, again, when nobody's even seen the show and it's just like, it's what hard. are we even doing here? Yeah. Um, it was tricky. So you know, it got a little easier in the second season once it had come out and people actually, you know, if people liked it, then obviously then they were, you know, much more inclined to sort of join in. And we always made the appeal that it's just like, oh, it's a couple days and you get to just get weird. So, you know, that was kind of always our pitch to whoever, you know, was willing to come on in. So, you know, we're, it's one of the, you know, clearly the most 
you know, it's a big part of the show and keeping it kind of fresh because we're always able to bring in some new, new people and some new characters and all that sort of stuff every week. Um, but it's also, you know, enormous fun for us to sort of try and figure out who are these characters that we can, you know, let them kind of speak to, you know, whatever crazy, you know, nonsense is going on in this particular week. And ideally get somebody who, you know, is looking forward to an opportunity to come in and just kind of run amok. And everyone who's come in to do that, I think all the guest stars are so good and they look like they're having just as much fun. John, I I can't thank you enough for taking some time today to talk because truly I love this show so very much. Thank you so much. And I well, just thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time. And, and selfishly, I, I just want more. Mm-hmm. So stars. Yeah. Well, we'll spread the word and we will, you know, polish, polish up our shoes for our another trip in to beg. And most of all, just a big thank you to you and, and everyone who worked on the show. Cause, Oh, it, they're just, I will rewatch them as, as I, oh. you know, and the best thing about Wonderful. comedy. No, and it is, it's truly yeah, our pleasure where it's, you know, it's such a delight to be able to make the show, which is why we're always <laughs> like groveling to make more. And I had, and I had rewatched the first two seasons on Hulu recently. And I was like, I was just so excited when I heard there were going to be more. So, you know, they need to contract more than six next time. Okay. I'm done. Okay, <laughs> that's it. John, thanks again. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Okay. 